uh, as a Uh, I hope everyone has been uh, doing their their Route 66 uh, daily Bible readings. Um, it's not always the easiest to remember to read, but I hope that you're uh, at least reading somewhat. And you know, I'm just going to give you a little hint right now. One of the things that's kind of bogged me down as we go through it is sometimes I get bogged down on that in the way he like tells you what he's about to what it's about to say. Like you're not going to get in trouble if you don't read that, okay? <laughs> but <laughs> It's okay to not read, that's what I'm saying, but I mean, I would encourage you to anyway, but uh, if it makes it easier for you, you can just open your Bible, figure out what verses you're supposed to read, uh, and read them in the order that you're supposed to. They're on the left-hand side of the page, but um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, uh, the readings from this week uh, focus primarily uh, on the life uh, of Joseph and kind of kind of from his beginning until until the end, and it goes all the way into Exodus chapter 3. Uh, but we're going to be talking about Joseph this morning, primarily Joseph's faith. When I was in high school, uh, I used to run track, right? And I did not love running track, but I loved competing, right? And so that's what was fun about track to me. Uh, but in track, I ran the 800, which... For anyone that's ran track or the 800, the 800 is the worst race in track. And I'll argue with anyone that says otherwise, right? The 800 is the worst race, period. Two laps around the track, and it's a sprint, okay? Uh, but I did not start running it until my junior year. And when we started off the year, I was, I was very slow, right? We were coming in dead last. I mean, I, I just was not good. I hadn't figured out how you run this race yet because, you know, it, it takes practice and, and, and figuring everything out. But by the end of the year, I was going to regionals in the 800. Well, how did I go from being last place in every race to qualifying for regionals? Well, just like anyone who wants to get better at something, I practiced. I practiced a lot, right? Now, practice, especially track practice, is not fun. It might be the worst kind of practice, right, because you're literally just running. And if you don't like running, it's miserable. Like, there's no passing a ball. There's no shooting a basketball. There's no hitting people in the mouth, right? It's only running, and it's rough. But practice is what made me better. Practice is what makes anyone better at anything they want to get better at. In fact, that's the only way that you can get better, if I know that it's going to be painful, even dangerous to practice, why would I continue to do it? Why would you continue to do something that hurt you? Well, I did it because I trusted the process, okay? What does it mean to trust the process? Have you ever heard that? My football coach told me that in basketball. Everyone, it, it was coached or, or taught to me throughout my high school sports career uh, all the time that that we had to trust the process, right? And so to trust the process, especially when, it, when dealing with track, means going to practice every day and working your tail off, even when it's hot, even when it's not fun, even when you pass out, because there's no shortcuts to success on a track. 
There's just not any, right? If you're going to run around a track, in order to be successful, you're going to have to practice. And if you want to meet your goal, you're going to have to push through days when you don't want to be there, right? You have to trust the process that if I practice every day at running track, when I finish this, when I get to the end of it, I'll accomplish my goal. Whether it's just running faster, whether it's winning, or just bettering yourself, right? I know that if I do this practice, no matter how hard it is, it's going to pay off in the end. I'm going to get better. Does that mean I'll win? Not necessarily, but it means that I will get better. <clears throat> and so, uh, as we compare that to, to, to our Christian faith or Christian walk, right? I want to ask you, what is our goal as Christians? You can think about it for a second, but I, I believe and hope that all of our goals primarily, right, is to see God, right, to enter into heaven and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Right, that's, that's what we want to hear. We want to, uh, and I mean, there's a lot of goals that we have, but it should be being united with Christ after our death. That's what I'm striving for and hoping to achieve. And, and how do we achieve this goal? Well, there's really only one way. The Bible shows that we achieve this goal through faith. There's no other path. right? You achieve uh, unity with God after death through faith in Christ in your life. right? But sometimes, sometimes it's hard to have faith. Now, I want us to, to, to kind of define faith real quick, just so we're not thinking it's something it's not. I am, especially in this sermon, not going to use the word faith as just, as just trust, right? Uh, I, a lot like the word believe, right? Faith and belief, it, it doesn't just mean to believe something or to trust something. It means that, that your faith in it or that your belief in it or that your trust in it pushes you to obedience, right? Uh, that's a, I think that's what faith is, right? And I mean, like uh, Hebrews chapter 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, certainty of things believed. It's something like that. Uh, anyway, but it's, 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 it's believing that God will, will bless you, right, if you're obedient to him. I, I think that's what faith is. And, and as we go through, I want y'all to remember that definition. I don't want you to think just just believing or just trusting. It's more than that, right? And we're going to see that in a little bit. Sometimes it's hard to have faith. Uh, it's hard to have faith in the future rewards when the present situation... Uh, let me read that specifically. It's hard to have faith in future rewards when the present situation isn't going well. When you find yourself dealt the short straw, even when you do the right thing, sometimes... We lose sight of our goal. We forget that any present suffering will not compare to the future glory we will have with God, with the blessings he'll pour out on us. Uh, and I, I don't want to read that because I, anyway. <laughs> Having faith that God will bless us if we'll be true to him is sometimes really difficult. It's difficult when, when things in your life are not going the way you think they ought to go, right? When things are, are maybe even going the wrong way. It's hard to believe that, that, 
that having faith will bring blessings on your life when being obedient is causing you nothing but trouble, right? And I know you think, well, how can being obedient to God bring trouble about your life? Well, just ask the Christians in the first century who are being impaled on stakes and burned alive. They were obedient to God, and it brought death to them. But they were blessed, far beyond anything they could ever achieve on earth. And that's the point. I want us to see through the life of Joseph that Joseph, that having, having unwavering faith and doing the right thing because of that faith will always result in something better in the future. Even if that future is after death. Uh, so, as we get into the word now, Genesis Genesis chapter 37, we're not really going to read a lot there, but but it's kind of, we're not necessarily introduced to Joseph there, but we're going to see, uh, we're going to see Joseph uh, interpret some, interpret some dream, dreams. Now, if you know anything about Joseph, right, he is the son, uh, the second to last son of Jacob, or of Jacob his father. His father had 11 other sons, right? These are known as the 12 sons of Jacob. The 12 tribes of Israel are going to come from this. The 11 brothers hated Joseph, right? They hated Joseph because Joseph was Jacob's favorite, right? He was the firstborn son of, he was the firstborn son of Rachel, and he was, uh, he was Jacob's favorite. He even, as, as we know, it didn't help that Jacob gave Joseph a special coat, right? Joseph and his coat of many colors, right? But in the Bible, it doesn't say many colors. I was actually kind of surprised by that. <laughs> it just says his, an ornate coat, which I guess means many colors. But I did not know that it wasn't a coat of many colors. Um, <laughs> Lindsay said, so someone just made that up? I guess so. <sighs> The 11 brothers could not deal with Joseph anymore. They're, they're fed up with him. They're tired of him being in charge. They're tired of him being the favorite. And, and really, it hits a boiling point when Joseph, Joseph comes to his brothers and he tells them, look, I had this dream. Y'all were all bowed, well, y'all were stars and, and stars and suns and moons and y'all were all bowing down to me. Right? Now, no brother wants to hear that from their brother. I guarantee you, any brother's going to fight if you tell him, one day you're going to bow down to me. This is not, it just doesn't produce good family relationships, okay? Uh, so they decide they're going to kill him. They end up not killing him, just faking his death, throwing him into a well, right? And so after he's thrown into the well, they take his, his ornate coat, rip it up, put blood on it, take it back to Jacob, say, look, Joseph's dead. Well, Instead of kill him, they end up selling him to be a slave to some Ishmaelites who were headed to Egypt. Now we see at this point in, in Joseph's life, I, I would say things are not going great, right? God gives you a dream, you tell your brothers that dream, and they try to kill you, right? Then they're going to sell you into slavery, and you're being marched off into a foreign land to be with foreign people to be a slave, right? One would not think that anything good could happen to Joseph at this point. But God does not think like we think. So we come to Genesis chapter 39. 39 of verse 1 says, Now Joseph, 
Genesis chapter 39 and verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 24, I think, okay? 1 through 23, <clears throat> which I guess is the whole, whole chapter. <laughs> and this is, this is once, well, it tells you what it is. There, verse, 30, verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in, <coughs> in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time, he had made him, from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing, of the, Lord, the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he felt all that he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife, cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. Verse 9, he is not greater, he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except for you. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as he spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, none of the men in the house were there in the house. Verse 12, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he's brought, he's brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you, have brought, whom you have brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard these words that his wife spoke to him, this is, what your servant treat, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. 
The keepers of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. See, Joseph, Joseph's blessed by God in this new land, right? He comes in as a foreigner, and, and he's blessed by God, and everything's just, it's just going great for him, right? He, he's sold to, to a person who's, who's pretty high up in the chain of command uh, with Pharaoh, right? And, and everything's going well for him. He, he's, he, he becomes in charge of this household. He ends up making, uh, God is with him, and so he prospers in this house, right? And so he continues to get put into a higher position. He gets put in the highest position in this person's house, so much so that He's even greater in that house, is what it says, than his master was. <sighs> He's gone from a slave to a distinguished servant for one of the most important people of Egypt. This was only possible through the blessings of God. It didn't come in any other way. Like, like he didn't work hard enough in order to gain this for himself. God blessed Joseph and brought this upon him, okay? But trouble... <laughs> Trouble's brewing in paradise for Joseph, right? Everything's not going great. He turns around. Uh, his master's wife is trying to sleep with him. He keeps telling her no. He avoids her with everything that he can, and finally she comes on him and steals his coat. See, Joseph had done nothing wrong. He's obeyed, he's obeyed God to the T, right? He's, he's not going to go into even be alone with this woman because he knows that bad things are going to come from that. He knows that that's not the way God wants him to live. Now, he obviously decides not to do it, but I want us to think about this for a second. This is the position you're put into. Do a pleasurable thing and sin, or do what is right in the eyes of God. That's the question that's put, put before Joseph. Do, do something that he probably wanted to do or do the right thing, right? Of course, he doesn't know that punishment's coming for doing the right thing. He's going to be thrown in prison. But he does the right thing and gets thrown in prison. I want to ask you this question. What would you choose? Maybe better yet, what do you choose? Do you, do you do what makes you happy, whatever your heart tells you to do? Do, do you, whatever your heart tells you to do and, and continue to prosper? Or, or do you do what is right and have faith and be, and be thrown in prison for years? Lie, cheat, steal, sin, to have all the things that you could desire, or have faith, do the right thing, and miss out on some of what the world has to offer. It's pretty much what Joseph has just chosen to do. <laughs> Wait a second. That doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem fair that Joseph, by doing the right thing, would end up in prison. Well, I think, I think if you think that, you're probably right. But who says it's supposed to be fair? The world isn't fair. 
The world sure isn't righteous. Why would I expect righteous or fair judgment living as a righteous person in an unfair world or living in an unrighteous world, especially in a people who aren't even his own? Why would he expect anything different for doing the right thing? Now, I know you're probably thinking, I don't get where you're going with that, Owen. (laughs) A sinful world will rarely exalt a righteous life. right? And how do we deal with that? How do you deal with that? Because, you know what, like, like you can do all the good things in the world, no, be, be faithful to God with everything that you have, with everything that you are, and be Job. Lose everything and have, have, have nothing. Have your house burned down. Have, have bad things come time after time. Lose your children, lose your animals, lose everything that you value in life. But the one thing you'll never lose is God. Joseph trusts that, and he knows that, that that doing the right thing, having faith in God, right, is going to bring blessings upon him, even if the blessing isn't seen that day. Having faith in God brings a blessing on Jacob, but the bless on Joseph, but the blessing is down the road. We can't be nearsighted when it comes to our faith, right? We we have to see the big picture in order to have faith. Now, God will always bless those who have faith and live their life based on that faith, but his blessing may not always be what we think they should be. I want to I want to share something with you and just to be honest with you, it's just straight up straight up something that I've been dealing with recently, especially when it comes to faith. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if any of you know this, but right, I've chosen a profession that doesn't make the most money, okay? I'm fine with that. I love it, okay? But I've chosen a profession that doesn't make the most money. You know, I have friends on Facebook and Instagram and all this stuff, and, and I look at them, and maybe I get a little envious, right? Sure, I would love to have more than just three guns. I'd love to be able to go fishing more often. I'd love to, to, to and, and, you know, I can draw all these things about how, how I wish my life was better. Right, and how, how if I wouldn't have chose to go into ministry, I would make more money and then, then I'd be able to do more things, right? Not that not that, that other path was wrong. But but I've committed my life to being faithful to God. I've committed my life to, to standing up for truth. You know what, I may not have everything that I've ever desired. I may not be, I may not be the next Jim Shockey, right? I, I may not be the next great hunter to ever grace uh, the United States. 
I'm not going to be Wes McAdams and and preach at a church that's 2,000 people. But here's what I know, right? And this, this is what we can't lose sight of, okay? My faith in God has brought blessings beyond compare on my life. Sorry. Because I, I forget this and I get down on myself, right? And I'm like, oh, poor, poor, pitiful me. My faithfulness is not, is God's not blessing me in the ways that I think He should bless me. But then I turn around and I have a marriage that could not be rivaled by anything, right? I have a daughter that's cuter than anybody else's daughter, I guarantee you that. I have a daughter who's going to love God with her whole heart and mind and soul and strength. And I guarantee you that that blessing is worth every ounce of missing out. It's worth every ounce of lost pleasure. It's, lost, it's worth every ounce of missing out in time on a deer stand because I can't afford it. It's worth it. See, because I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to have faith that God will bless me if I have faith in Him. Right? That, that, that even though it may not look like I want it to look right now, the blessings are coming. And that's a guarantee. The, that, that maybe the blessing doesn't look like I want it to, but He's going to bless me beyond compare. Even if it's after death, He's going to bless me beyond compare. And when I, when I get down on myself, really, or, or think about stuff like this, it's like, oh, and really... Like, think about the people in the New Testament. They believed in God. They believed in Jesus Christ. And immediately, people came into their houses and killed them for having faith in Christ. What kind of life is that? What kind of faith, what, what, kind, of, what kind of enjoyment is that? Joseph said, I'm going to have faith in God, even if it leads to me being thrown in prison. I'm going to have faith in God. And, and eventually, you know what happens. We come, to, we come to chapter 40, and guess what? Or chapter 41. 41, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams, right? God, God's blessed Joseph in such a way that, that now he's interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh. He says, look, you're about to have a famine. Or you're going to have seven years of good stuff. You're going to have seven years of bad stuff. You better save up in the seven years of good stuff to be successful in the seven years of bad stuff. Okay? And, jo- and, and Pharaoh says, look, no one's going to be better at this than you. And so he exalts Joseph to the second in command of the entire nation. Right? Talk about a blessing. Right? He, he, he did what was right. He trusted in God to bless him. And God blessed him. He always will. And he always does. It's, it's a guarantee. Because Joseph was faithful, even in prison, God has blessed him to the point of him being second in command. He's gone from nothing to something only because God blessed him for his faithfulness. And he's going to use him to save his brothers. That's what happens next, right? They're going to come during the famine saying, look, we we don't have any food. And he's going to be the salvation of, well, of Israel. But he's going to be the salvation of Joseph. Of Jacob, of Israel, who Jacob's going to turn to in the next couple chapters, right? He's going to be the salvation of Jacob, of Israel, of the Hebrew people. He's the answer through God. Not only does God bless those who are faithful, he uses them to accomplish his purpose. He has trusted the process. He knew that having faith in God would bring a great, 
greater reward and was willing to endure hardship for the blessings that were to come. He's got his eyes and heart set on something greater. And that's why he was able to have faith. I'm gonna, I want to read some, just some more verses that kind of talk about what I've just been talking about. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 16 and verse uh, 8 and 9 says, he's talking about wars that are going on in Judah and Egypt. Um, we'll start in verse 7, 7, 8, and 9, okay? At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. Right, because you had faith in God, He's blessed you, right? He, he handed over armies that were bigger than you. He handed them over to you. <clears throat> For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those, to those whose heart is blameless towards Him. Right? That God is, God is searching the earth, right? He's, he's looking from person to person, and he's just hoping to find someone who's faithful to him, right? And when he finds that faithful person, he's going to say, look, I'll protect you, I'll guide you, I will bless you, you are mine. And that's the answer, right? In anything that you're doing, as long as you're faithful to God, he's going to bless you. That's what he's saying in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. But if you do foolishly in this, You've done foolishly in this because they weren't faithful. They didn't trust in the future things that were to come. They, they were nearsighted. From now on, you will have wars. right? So, so if you leave this faithful or, or this, this viewing of God, bad stuff automatically is going to happen. There is no blessing that comes with that. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6 says, Many a man proclaim his own steadfast love. But a faithful man, but a faithful man who can find. I see, and it's easy to stand there. It's easy to stand there and say, you know what, hey, hey God, I have faith. Hey God, I, I love you. Right? And then and then for your life not to reflect that faith, your life not to, to reflect that belief that you have in God, be followed out by actions, right? You don't have faith if your actions don't reflect God. It's just, they, they don't work out. You can't have those two things together. And uh, Proverbs chapter 28 and verse, uh, and verse 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Right? If you lie, cheat, and steal to get ahead, you're not going to go unpunished. You might be ahead now, but eventually judgment's going to come upon you. But if you're faithful, you'll abound in many blessings. Are they riches? Maybe not. Is it a faithful family, a wonderful home life? Maybe not. Is it unity with God through the Spirit from everlasting to everlasting? Yes. Three more, okay? 
Luke chapter 16, verse 10. It says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Right? And so right on the heels of faith, uh, you can't serve two things. Right? You can only have faith in one thing. You can only have faith in God to bring blessings upon you. You can't look to anything else and pray that that's what's going to bless you. God is the one, the way, and the, the only means to blessings. It comes through God. Unity with God comes through God. Comes through faith in God. Comes through belief in God. Okay? Uh, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Do not fear that you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested for ten days and will have tribulations. Be faithful unto death. And guess what? If you'll be faithful unto death, this is you right now today. If you'll be faithful unto death in every decision, in every question, in every choice, if you'll be faithful unto death, I will give you the crown of life. That's... That's all we could ask for. That's all the blessing that we need. That's, that's the top and the, the highest blessing that God could give, okay? And one more from the words of Jesus, and we're going to be done, okay? John chapter 16 and verse 1. I've said these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogue. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to throw you out of the places where you come to worship me. They're going to throw you out of, of everything that you want, of, of maybe being close to me. You're not going to get your way in everything. The hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. You know what, they're... They're going to throw you out of the synagogue. They're going to throw you. They're going to they're toss you out of, of the workplace. They're going to they're be mean to you for certain things, right? Your life isn't going to go the way that you think it should all the time just because you're faithful. But God will bless you when you're faithful. Okay? Every single day, we're faced with choices. Choices that may seem small or insignificant, but choices that may seem small or insignificant, but choices that are able to alter your life. Will you be faithful to God in your choices? Will you trust the process of a faithful life? Will you trust that, that if I'm faithful today, that if I'm, I'm faithful today with my choices, that when I, when, I get to the he, when I get to heaven, blessings beyond compare will be poured out on me? Well, am I faithful to the process that, that if I get in trouble for doing the right thing here, God will bless me later on down the road? Will you trust that process? I promise you this, that if you will be faithful, God will be with you.
And there's no greater blessing than that. If you have any needs this morning, you can come forward while we stand.